Hello and welcome to the Be Bold Fitness Podcast, the show where we talk about taboo topics in the health, wellness, and fitness space. No topic is off limits here. I'm your host, Tessa Breeden, certified personal trainer and nutrition specialist with a passion for helping women to get fit, feel good, and live boldly. Welcome to the podcast, Libby Smedic, software engineer, yoga instructor, and podcast host of Speak the Movement, where you share unique stories of growth and opportunity. Libby has created custom yoga classes for the Be Bold Fitness private community, and we're so thankful to have her. So Libby, if you could please introduce yourself. I'm so excited to just get to talking to you today. Hello, hello. I'm so happy to be here. Tessa was one of my amazing Uh, group fitness coaches way back in the days. I've always looked up to her and I'm super excited to be here today. Yay. I know. I'm excited as well. And I think that it's always really fun to have conversations with people that I've actually met through group fitness because in a class, you obviously don't have the opportunity to sit down and really chat. And we've had definitely more surface level conversations, but watching your growth on social media and just sort of seeing this life that you lead in terms of health and wellness, but also in a corporate world are always really interesting to dive into. And so I want to kind of touch on all of these these things today, but really most specifically about how we can center ourselves in this busy world. So as I mentioned, you host a podcast, you are a yoga instructor, you have a corporate job, And I know you guys just recently bought a home and you're getting married the week after this (laughs) podcast airs. So talk about a busy life. Let's kind of start out by talking about the yoga side of things. So how long have you been a yoga instructor or how long have you been practicing yoga? Sure. So I started practicing yoga like late in college, but especially after I graduated, that's when I really needed it the most. I graduated in 2018. So that was about four years ago that I was, I started practicing every day. And my background with that is uh, in college, I did a lot of group fitness. Like uh, I did a lot of bar classes and cycling classes And then when senior year rolled around, that was a tough year for me because I have a lot of fear of like the unknown and just knowing that I was going to graduate and start this whole new life that I didn't know what everything would look like. That was very difficult on my psyche. So I started experiencing pretty intense issues with not only just generalized anxiety, but also panic. And I would go to my cycling classes and I'd be pedaling on the bike. And then all of a sudden I would have to walk out of the room and I would keel over thinking that I was having like an asthma attack. And Mm -hmm. then eventually I started having panic attacks like outside of the fitness space. And I was like, oh, I wasn't having (laughs) asthma attacks. I was having panic attacks during class. So those hit classes that were so uh, like, you know, make your heart beat faster and start working up all those hormones would trigger me into these panic episodes. So after I I started getting control of my emotions a little bit more, when I graduated, I was like, well, I've really been out of the fitness space for so long that like cut me out of, I, I couldn't cycle, even like trying to jog or even just walking up the stairs to my third floor apartment. Sometimes I would struggle. So I like 
for a good long time did not step into any fitness studio at all. And then I graduated college and I was like, oh my gosh, like what happened to me? I need, like, I'm so passionate about fitness and I don't feel like myself that with, with my like routine, I needed to get back into something. And I had always been like strong. Like I didn't want something that was too simple. I wanted something that pushed my edge, but where I felt safe and contained so that I wouldn't quite go over the edge. So that's how I found hot power yoga because I was moving at a pace where I was continuing to like notice my breath and feel like what was going on in in my inner workings and in my system but also just like the heat and the intensity of the class was just enough to like let me step out of the room and then go see myself in the mirror with like a tomato red face and be like okay that really kicked my butt you know what I mean so it was just like a whole new love that I had never expected to find in such an unexpected way. That's really crazy. And that's got to be a really scary experience, not having any idea what's going on. You obviously love fitness, but you're realizing that something in your body is not responding to the type of activity that you previously enjoyed. So something had triggered that response, that emotional and physical response for you. Um, Mm -hmm. So I'm so glad that you were able to find something that was really sustainable for you and still pushes you to a limit where you can constantly challenge yourself and to um, still have a fitness routine. So I want to talk a little bit about what yoga even is, because I think that we just know yoga as sort of a, a workout or a meditation. But I mean, I... I have a love-hate relationship with yoga personally because it's something I'm not very good at. And like most people, I don't like doing things I'm bad at. (laughs) I don't don't know anybody that does, but it's something I find to be very much of a challenge. And so what really is yoga and like, what are the different types of yoga that people can practice? Yeah. So that is such a big question. I think that every teacher that you ask, the answer will always be different because people's relationship to yoga can be so different. In our westernized society, we think about yoga as the physical act of asana. So when you learn about what's called the eight limbed path. There's like eight different kind of like stages and they kind of lead from more physical to like this ideal state of being (laughs) that you're going towards. Okay. So basically like in the eight limbs of yoga, there's the yamas and the niyamas. Those are the first two branches, which are kind of like the shoulds and shouldn'ts. And then the third limb of yoga is asana. And so asana is what most people think of as all encompassing of yoga. But asana is just the physical practice of yoga, like the postures that that you do. And then after that, the next branch is pranayama, which is practicing exercises with the breath. Pratyahara, which means removal of the senses. Dharana, which is deep concentration dhyana and then samadhi which is like what you can almost think of as like nirvana so 
when you take teacher training, we kind of get this bigger overarching lens of what yoga is. And I think some people focus more on different aspects. Like some people are more focused on the spiritual experience, or maybe some people are really into breath work and pranayama, but a lot of people and what's most commonly practiced and like known of as yoga is, is the asana part of it. I, I think, but they always tell you that the purpose of asana is to prepare for meditation, which are like the higher limbs that go towards samadhi. So very interesting. Okay. Yeah. I obviously did not know any of these things. I don't think that's really explained when you're in a class because Mm. the majority of people probably aren't like there to be educated on what yoga is, but I find it really interesting. Like you said, every instructor, every yoga teacher may have a different interpretation of what that is. And Same goes in the fitness world, but more so in yoga, where every time I have taken a class, it collectively has been said to me that yoga is your practice. It's like a very internal thing. And I think that's also one of the reasons why it's so challenging, because as a person who loves fitness, I would consider myself an athlete and it isn't always easy to do the inner work even though it's like easier to do the external work. And I think that's one of the things that makes it so challenging. But can you talk about what the different types of yoga are? Because when we started, you had mentioned hot yoga. I know that there's like flow yogas. There's some that are more like meditation based. So just run us through a couple of the most common yoga practices that there are. Yeah, sure. Totally. Well, also to respond to the one of the things that you said of like, you know, we hear about these more spiritual aspects of yoga and like all of these other ideas and something that we talk about like very commonly, I feel like in teacher trainings, especially like the higher up ones, once you've gotten past like the, this is how you lead a class, then you get into these more esoteric discussions of like, we all want to do our best to deliver the entirety of what we know of yoga to somebody so that they are able to formulate their experience like within all of the plethora of information that there is. But like the reality of it is that we are in Western society. People come to their hour long class with an idea of like what they are coming in for and what they want to walk out with. And like as a teacher in that space, it is your responsibility to deliver that experience to the student. You know what I mean? So we can't always, you know, we can't bring you in and then go on this giant rant about things that you have like never read or studied when you need to get back to the office at 1 p.m. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. yeah, it's just, there's a, there's a balance that you have to strike with it. And then also kind of like within different types of yoga that you can practice. So there are lots of different, lineages of thought within yoga and sort of different umbrellas of of practice. Some common styles that you'll see, I feel like usually you'll see like hatha yoga, but hatha yoga is kind of an umbrella over other types of yoga because it really just means like physical practice of yoga. But there's usually when you see the title vinyasa, that means Mm -hmm. it's going to be like a more creative class and there should be some breath to movement type practice. When you see power yoga, to me, what that usually means is it's a vinyasa class, but there's a lot of breath to movement work within it. So expect to sweat. And then usually if you see the title chill or the title yin, those are usually similar branches. So yin is 
a lineage that most of what is taught in those classes comes from like a Chinese practice and you are fully seated. You'll hold poses for like three, four, five minutes. And it's mostly for unwinding and opening and, but can have a lot of different uh, physical focuses depending on like how the teacher has, has sequenced the class. So I feel like those are really the most common that I see at least here in Austin, but I do know that it can vary. And it, it just depends like the lineage that your teacher was taught in what they might present to you in any given session. Yeah, I think I've only done like vinyasa yoga or yin. I used to take a 90 minute yin class and it was like the best 90 minutes ever because it's sort of like a really relaxing stretch. And it feels awesome. And a lot of times they'll be like candle lit. And I find that to be a really pleasant experience personally, because I don't feel like I'm over challenged. But in the same vein, I also have really enjoyed hot yoga, because that's where I feel like I can be a little bit more athletic when things are moving really fast, and the music is pumping, and it's not your quote unquote yoga spa type music. It's usually something a little bit more upbeat. I always find those to be like really fun classes. And I think for me personally, when it comes to finding a class that I liked, it took just trying different things because not everything is for everybody. I've done, actually I have done like silks yoga not for oh, me. Yeah. yeah. Not for yeah. me. You know? Yeah. <laughs> you just- no, I feel it. I feel like aerial arts are so cool. But I I also have a deep I mean, that's why I'm mostly I would consider myself a power vinyasa teacher. Like the if you ask me for like my staple class, then what you will get out of me is a power vinyasa class with music that I really enjoy because the the dance like movement and being able to just focus in on that for an hour is such a powerful experience for me. But actually, because I'm, I'm so my natural state is very calmed by that type of practice. I find that a yin class is a really big (laughs) struggle for me. Because being I have a lot of anxiety. Mm -hmm. So being still and quiet with my thoughts for an hour in four minutes to a pose is like (laughs) a nightmare for me, really. My first yin class was almost like just one big long panic attack and like learning (laughs) to get through it. But I mean, it's so funny, because like, some people will say that about power vinyasa. So I think that everybody is like, both what they're looking for physically and like what their natural mental state is, it can make different types of practice be more balancing, like bringing you in towards center. Cause your goal always is to get more harmonized. So maybe you're very high energy and you need the time to be quiet and relaxed and that brings you down. Or maybe you've been sitting at your desk all day and you are restless and you need something to bring you up and that's how you get rid of the pent up energy. So for everyone, I think different practices can serve different purposes and we all have different experiences with each one for sure. I love that. I do think it's really fun to challenge yourself in those ways. As I mentioned, like yoga has never been something that has been top of my mind. I think I've gone through periods where I really liked it and periods where I didn't really like it. And so I think that's also important to know. I think I feel like when you're a fitness professional, everybody expects you to like really like everything. 
and I maybe maybe you've experienced this as well. So people just assume like, oh, you must like love yoga, you must love bar, you must love all these things. And it's like, I actually don't really enjoy any of those things. But in the same vein, I do enjoy pushing myself to a limit because maybe for somebody, weightlifting is really uncomfortable and it's a really big challenge, but it's really good to challenge your body in ways that you aren't particularly talented in because that's how we learn and grow and become better. And I am the person who has the restless mind. And so maybe that yin for me is really, besides sleeping, the only time I get in my mind to calm down. And so that's a really awesome mental challenge for me uh, Mm because obviously like, You, again, have a full-time job, have been planning a wedding for however long, have a house, like you've lived in this busy, busy world and understand the craziness of what life is like. And so how can yoga be helpful in creating inner peace in our lives or some sort of meditation for us? Totally. I, so for me, the time that I spend in yoga is the time that I, that is like my, the time I've carved out for myself. I will say, well, so when I very first started like my post-college career and I practiced yoga every day and I did that even through my early days of teaching too, I was practicing every single day. Sometimes I would practice twice. I would practice a more traditional Ashtanga style, and then I would practice a creative vinyasa two times a day, once in the morning, once in the afternoon. Once I got into teaching, now my experience when I go into a class is different. I think you'll hear this from a lot of teachers because then you have to learn when you go into your class how to step out of the teacher mindset and just allow yourself to be a student and to be there for the meditation and for yourself because you might be taking mental notes of like oh this posture would be so great in my sequence i need to write this down i need to add it to my class or like oh here's a really interesting cue that i have never used before and i should really remember that or oh i'm in the studio setting and i usually am the one who's working here and look the toilet paper is not stocked in the back i should really go (laughs) fix that like really you know it's hard it's not the same as what it used to be before I stepped into that role. But definitely now when I plan that time out for myself, like that is like a, I need to step into another mentality because if I don't have this time for myself, then I'm worse off in all the other aspects of my life. But then also I think that practicing yoga again can go beyond the span of just like I'm going to do a 60 minute asana practice, but also like, for example, when I go to the gym and I'm weightlifting, I am also using pranayama practices to get me to be able to have the strength that I need like throughout that entire hour. So even that, or, or like when I run on the treadmill before I start, that is a yoga practice to me. Like that is a meditation for me. That is time when I'm consciously aware of my breath and my thought patterns. And so I think that all of those different ways that you can kind of interact with those aspects of yourself are practicing yoga as well. I am not the most mindful person. And I think it's good that you've been able to use these practices to become more mindful in different situations and almost use that to kind of calm some of that activity or that anxiety that is happening inside of you. I think that's obviously a great practice. And somebody like me who admittedly is not great at doing yoga, I will do it maybe 
once a month, once every other month? Like, what are some daily activities that are kind of rooted in yoga that people can start to do if it's something that they want to incorporate into their lives, which is like one, like might not feel comfortable getting into a class, can't get into Mm -hmm. a class or just like, don't really know where to start. So here's a really easy one that I really like. Also, I think my partner, Kevin, he listened or no, he read it. I don't remember if he read it in text or if he did the audiobook, but there's a book called Lifespan. And they talk about how this practice is supposed to be helpful because it it's it sets your hormones up properly for the day. So I think there's a lot of science behind this, but also people will tell you in general this is a good thing to do. The first thing in in that that you should do in the morning if you can is just to step outside and expose yourself to the sunlight. And seriously, you don't even have to take a full, you know, half hour or whatever. Just give yourself five minutes, go outside, close your eyes, and just start to draw your awareness to the sounds that are happening around you, the way that the sun feels on your skin, what is the quality of the air outside, and then slowly, what is the space of my thoughts? What is the awareness of myself? Can I feel my feet on the ground? Can I feel, you know, the clothes that are on top of my, the first layer of my skin and just give yourself that moment to like settle, breathe, integrate, and then go inside and go about your day. It can be as simple as that. Like that's, that's an easy place to start if you're just trying to work into having a little bit more mindfulness and awareness. And then another thing that I learned that I really liked is either when you first close your eyes before you go to sleep or when you wake up before you even open up your eyes, just take a brief moment to think about three things that you're grateful for. And if you have like a family member or somebody near you that you can share that with, it can be even more of like a connecting and bonding experience, but also it can be personal. Um, and just like that mode of reflection also is another way to just like connect a little bit more deeply with yourself. It's funny because I feel like we learn those practices like the gratitude list and the go outside and breathe or, you know, just like take a moment to do like three deep breaths. And <laughs> sometimes it can feel <laughs> just so hard and daunting to build that into your day. And it feels like every time (laughs) that someone tells you that, for me, at least, I don't know, I do a lot of yoga, but I'm like, I know I've heard, I've heard that so many times, but then you realize like those things really do make the difference. Like it's, it's crazy. Like all of the simple things that you know that you should do because they will help your mentality to be a little bit more positive. Like it, it just always is true. I feel like sometimes because we hear it so much, we don't give it enough credit <laughs> in our mind, but just try it on and notice how you feel. And then if you lose it at some point, then just remember, it's an easy thing that you can employ to bring you back. Just because it's obvious doesn't mean that it's not effective. I agree with that completely. And I think for me at least part of it it always seems so woo woo like yeah do this gratitude practice write in a journal manifestation I know all of these things work but yeah I think they feel very 
like otherworldly to us and so we just assume that they're not gonna work because we're like oh yeah I'm gonna talk about what I'm grateful for today or go step outside and take a breath and what you're saying about the light though that one is actually true because that actually helps your circadian rhythm and helps your body wake up and it helps you get exposed to vitamin d early in the day which Mm -hmm. a majority of people are already deficient in and so that's actually a good thing but I always hear about like grounding practices and all of Mm -hmm. these things that Mm -hmm. I think I mean I don't know this for certain but a lot of these things are rooted in some of these yoga practices and I just find that to be very interesting because it feels as obvious yoga is a very old practice you probably know more details Mm. about about it than I do surely but why has it become so culty or popular I feel like it's become such a huge phenomenon over the past I don't know 10 years Yeah. So one, the first thing I'll say is I do believe that like, you know, in, in, when you, again, when you hear about the health and wellness practices and you're like, oh, go outside, but I live in a, you know, fifth floor apartment. I don't have a balcony. I don't want to go downstairs and go outside or, uh, like journaling that doesn't fit for me. Like, I don't like to write, you know, whatever. I think that's something that we should all do is like, not don't if it doesn't fit for you like don't force yourself into the box can you make the practice work for you is it a note on your phone instead you know or like maybe you really enjoy making your coffee in the morning can you just like slow down in that process and smell the coffee and think about the steps or whatever like I think that there's so many ways to like take the concept and then make it fit for you so again not fitting yourself into the box of the ritual, but creating a ritual that is meaningful and effective in your, in the context of your life. Right. Yeah. And then with yoga (laughs) being culty and also popularized, but it's funny because I feel like now (laughs) we like have these modern yoga cults. Like I, it's interesting. Like there's again, yoga comes from a lot of different lineages and a lot of different teachers. And like, I, I don't know. I think that, I think that in Western society, we have taken the fun parts of yoga and we wrapped it up in a box at a place that reminds you of a gym. And then we put it next to a Starbucks. And now (laughs) everybody is like, I want to do that too. You know what I mean? And so, But also at the same time, because I feel like this is something that, again, we talk about a lot in teacher trainings, like we live in the culture that we live in and we would like to give yoga to the community and we need to communicate with people that live in our society and in ways that allow us to connect with them. So I don't think that there's necessarily a lot of shame or that there should be shame in finding yoga in a way that works for your life that you can fit it in and that it makes sense and that it's an hour long and that it's near your office or whatever. But also I think that in general, teachers just need to be mindful of like honoring the roots and where it came from um, instead of just thinking that it's this thing that we invented in our westernized society and it started in the beautiful studio by the Starbucks. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, But I do think that just like, Everybody wants to challenge themselves. And I think that everybody wants to set time aside 
for themselves to not constantly be thinking about their to-do list. And I think that yoga, it can be very attractive in that way, I guess. But also like, you know, there's a different vibe about when you go to the gym and you're all by yourself and you have to like write your routine and you go pick up the weights and you do everything that you wrote down in your list or that your trainer told you to do. And then you pack up and leave and you kind of feel like, okay, well, I did that fitness thing that I was supposed to do. And then with yoga, you come in and the teacher is excited to see you and your community is there and the music that you love is playing. And you can feel a little bit more like deeply connected with the experience. So I think that all of those factors could be part of it. Not that those factors can't be introduced in like other forms of fitness, but they are often found in the in the studio setting, I think. You know, I really liked what you said in regards to having in our culture the way it is, how yoga fits into different types of lifestyles. That immediately made me think of things like goat yoga or yoga and wine or whatever, yeah. because it's basically yeah. taking these things that attract people or making right. them more... I mean, essentially more marketable, yeah. Uh, but still bringing some sort of practice to it. Um, obviously, when we're doing yoga, it's really, again, that grounding practice, trying to become more one with ourselves. It should be a spiritual, emotional, and a physical practice from what I understand. And so if that takes people doing goat yoga or whatever. I've done bunny yoga before. That was pretty enjoyable. <laughs> uh, it was very cute. <laughs> So I yeah, think it's I kind of fun that way. I I don't because yeah, yoga <laughs> yoga should be a physical, emotional, and spiritual experience when you practice it. Like I, that's the overall arching goal. And we live busy lives, and sometimes like not every time that you step onto your mat will you have a profound experience. And sometimes maybe that's not what you're looking for. A lot of times for me, I want to come in to get my physical experience and to get in my breath and in my rhythm. And then I want to move on with my day. And I think that like, there's a place for that too, as long as we're also honoring the wholeness of yoga and understand that we're practicing a portion of that and that the portion of it that we're practicing in that day is what we need to bring ourselves back into harmony to do all the other things that we do. So no shame in doing whatever part of the practice you need in that moment. And also, again, acknowledging the wholeness of yoga. A lot of people I know that practice yoga do it in place of any other sort of exercise. And so that's really what they use as their physical element. But they don't really get the spiritual side of it or that emotional side of it. Is that a bad thing? Or is like, is it really just kind of whatever works for you? I think that it's not ideal that in Western society, the way that we practice yoga, we don't have necessarily the model, like the time and space to be able to tell people that those things are available and how to seek them if they're interested in them. But I think that like, if you come in and that aspect of yoga is not what you need in, in that day or in that time, I think that it's okay to not come in looking for that or even not necessarily to be seeking it for yourself. I think that you should practice the aspect of yoga that you feel like you need in your life to feel whole in that moment and to operate properly in the other aspects of your life and hopefully have 
had somebody that had enough time to help you to acknowledge the other aspects that are available should you feel like that's something that you want to pursue. You know what I mean? So how do you – you okay, can you give me a rundown of your certifications because I know I've read through them, but you're you're an advanced yoga teacher, correct? Uh, yeah, I'm 500 hours certified now, so that's very exciting. I graduated in February. Um, I started off with a 200-hour Baptiste certified training. I took that at Wonderlust Yoga with Kaylee, Gustavo, and Lizzie. It was amazing. Um, after that, I did like several kind of ongoing education units, including a 75-hour extensions training where we kind of learned more practical skills, such as like what do you do in the classroom to control the space? You know, like are people talking a lot and you need to bring the energy down so that they can hear you? Did somebody get injured in your class? Um, what time of your day is your class and how do you serve people at that time of day or like in the season or just very like practical hands-on skills that make more sense once you've started teaching, but you're not quite an advanced teacher. Mm-hmm. And then um, the most recent longer training that I took was my 300 hour with Giaconda Parker, which was absolutely amazing and kind of focused on more spiritual and higher aspects of yoga beyond just physical, but also did include a good amount of anatomy training as well. Um, And business of yoga training. It was very like comprehensive over more advanced subjects that you can't quite cover in that first 200 hour training. That's awesome. Congrats. I mean, thank you. It's so different when you're doing these yoga trainings, the hours versus just like personal trainers. We just have certifications for things in yoga. It's Mm -hmm. very much more of a practical, in-person physical application Mm -hmm. for the practice, which I always think to be really interesting and also very complicated. But I would love to hear about how you got better at yoga because again, I am so bad. I'm honestly traumatized (laughs) from the one time... I must have been in high school and we were part of this country club place where I was from and I went to a yoga class and I tried, I don't, I don't even know what the pose is called. And you like balance your knees on your elbows and I fell straight, I fell straight on my face, oh, straight on my no. face and oh, I was no. so traumatized and I was like, this is so not for me. <laughs> okay. So, it- yeah. I've never really tried anything and I'm always scared to do things in classes because I'm like, yeah, I'm really not like trying to fall flat on my face. I understand. <laughs> and it happens sometimes we fall and we get back up, we keep going. When when it comes to refining the way that you practice asana, I guess, or like getting stronger in the physical postures. Um, I think that one thing that is really important is just like understanding the basics. So something that I love to sequence my classes by is every advanced posture in yoga has what we call, or at least in my training, we call seed postures. So um, more fundamental postures that introduce the principles that you need to employ to do the advanced posture. So first you want to focus on those fundamental poses so that you then have the strength and the physical understanding to do the pose later. So yeah, 
everything starts with Tadasana, which is just like a regular standing posture, but you understand slowly the difference between like being aware of your core strength and the way that you're standing and where the weight is distributed on your foot to then be able to move towards like a standing balancing pose and et cetera. So taking it back to basics first, I think is so important. And there are a lot of classes that are oriented towards that. One of the things that I would say is as you're moving through your classes, especially like in uh, warm up portions and in areas where you can see, oh, this posture prepped for this one and this one and this one, then when you get to those postures, like really tune in to what the teacher is saying, because it's very easy when it's hot in the room and you're tired that, you know, and you've seen this, I'm sure in group fitness, mm -hmm. people are not really listening for really being aware of where things should be, even though the teacher is telling you exactly They're just where moving they through. should be. Yeah, <laughs> they're trying to finish without without passing out. And yeah, and that <laughs> happens. And I think just in the beginning, at least that time where you can be a little more mindful, just like listen to those cues and think, can I make an adjustment so that I could employ what the teacher is saying like a little bit more properly in my body now? Okay, so once you've sort of mastered these basic movements, when you're in a class, how do you try in advance when you're in a really large class? Because even if there's something that I've wanted to try, but I don't know if I'm doing it right, I never know how to approach the teacher about like wanting to try something. Because it's totally. like, you know, I, that's always so weird. I'm like, it's very chill in here. Because if it's a group fitness class, I feel like you can go to the the coach and be like I want to grab a heavier weight or something but in yoga how are you like okay I want to try this inversion but I don't know if I'm doing it right or like help me <laughs> yes no 100% so I get that question a lot um I like I said mostly teach power vinyasa classes so I have students that have like very high <laughs> ambitions in the physical realm and uh when we come into the space like as a teacher you've got a lot of people of a lot of varying different levels of proficiency and you have to deliver an experience that makes sense for everyone. So what stinks about that is we don't always have time to talk about advanced postures like in that 60 minute format, you know, it's like we're already doing so much. How, how would we have time to explain to everybody how to do a handstand for people that have done it a million times than for someone who's never done it before. Right. So, um, an offering that I created because of those types of questions and the nature of how quickly classes move is I now teach an advanced asana class. So once a month, I have a 90 minute class where we focus on three to four advanced postures. And we go through like, what are the seed postures for this pose? What are different physical drills that I can do that increase in difficulty that move me towards the pose? And I tell everybody like, go to the drill that pushes you the farthest. Like you feel like, okay, this is my edge. And then the next time a teacher calls the seed pose, then you can go to that more advanced variation and try that on for yourself and continue moving towards that peak pose. So for example, if you're looking at doing handstand and you want to go into that from standing split, like hopping one foot up to meet the other, then here's like some different drills that we'll do in class that'll bring you towards that. And then next time you go to class, when your teacher calls standing split, maybe you try spiking up onto your tiptoe and shifting your weight into your hands. So I think just like, 
taking advantage of opportunities, like look for workshops like that. There's lots of classes online. Not, I would say probably not always approaching teachers afterwards and assuming that they have 30 minutes after class to like teach you how to do something. But there's usually opportunities opportunities at studios. So look for them. And then when you learn something, bring that into your regular practice and find opportunities to fit that in for yourself so that you can continue challenging yourself. So just to be clear, it's not disrespectful to a teacher to try and advance something, even if it's not something that they had called out, essentially. No, no, I don't okay. think so. I Well, I guess... M- most, I'd say like 90% of teachers will say something in their classes to the effect of this is your physical practice. If you need to rest, take rest. But I feel like what teachers don't often say is like, if you need to kick it up a notch, take it up a notch. But it's, it's the same concept, like, just as much as you can drop into a child's pose in class, you're allowed to take your inversions as long as as it's safe for you and it's safe for your neighbors. You're allowed to do what you want to do to to feel fulfilled with your practice. And if that's not said enough, I think it should be said more, you know? Okay, yeah, yeah. I never know because when I'm teaching group classes in fitness, I don't really enjoy people making up their own workouts, doing their own things. Like that's not what we're doing. Right. And so it's always, I like to just make sure that I am respecting the practice of it and respecting the teacher, but that is good to know. Well, now that you say it, I guess I will chime in and say like, this doesn't mean sequence your own vinyasa flow (laughs) and do that when the teacher is calling something else. But it does mean when the teacher calls malasana yogi squat and you want to go into co-pros, take co-pros. If they're calling standing split and you want a handstand, take your handstand. You know, be respectful of the teacher just within like common sense. And also you're allowed to take the advanced version of a posture when it's called. Okay, good to know. I'm not there yet, but maybe one day. How do you know if you're advanced, beginner? Like how how do you establish where your level is? Um, I don't necessarily think like you can label your whole practice as as like like there isn't in yoga we would never like look at someone's practice and assess and be like you are level six out of ten or something like yeah. that. You know what I mean? So it's very much like you know what posture works for you and what concepts you have mastered. And so if you are getting yourself into a physical shape that where you feel like you are in control and it is, it looks like an advanced posture, then you're practicing an advanced posture. Okay. Very cool. I would love to get to an advanced place one day, but I'm not going to like put too much of my, I'm, I'm not going to manifest that too hard because I also say I'll do yoga and do it once a month. So <laughs> I need to get a little bit better about that. But let's kind of bring it back into more of some of the mindfulness. Obviously, we've talked a lot about the practice of yoga. So Libby, can you sort of just guide us the end of this podcast episode, three to five minutes of just a little bit of mindfulness that we can take into these everyday busy lives so we can just calm ourselves down, something to bring us back to reality and into ourselves? Totally. Yeah, I can definitely do that. I think 
maybe we can all just start in a comfortable seat wherever you are. Hopefully you're not driving. (laughs) If you're not driving, then find yourself in a comfortable seat. Just slowly close your eyes, like your eyes closed and bring your attention more to the inner landscape. Just giving yourself a moment to draw out of the to-do list and all of the external stimuli and give a moment to step into the feeling body. You can start by drawing your awareness towards your breath and just notice the subtle sensation of the air coming in and out through your nose or through your mouth and the pace and the quality of the breath that you experience. Can you notice your foundation, whatever part of your physicality is making contact with something underneath you, supporting your shape? Maybe that's a chair or the ground. And then imagine drawing a line from the base of your connection with that chair or with the ground all the way down, digging into the foundation of the earth underneath you. And as that line goes down into the earth, can you imagine drawing that line all the way to the center of the earth? And how far it would go if you kept taking that line all the way out to the other side of the globe. And slowly draw your awareness back up, drawing up from that other side of the globe in towards the center. And all the way back up to your seat and foundation, knowing that all that depth is underneath you. Now draw your awareness up through your spine line towards your shoulders and up to the crown of your head, drawing a line from there all the way upwards through the ceiling of the threshold that you occupy and into the sky and atmosphere above you, how high that line could go. Maybe it's indefinite. And then acknowledging all of that space, drawing the line back down through the sky, through the clouds, through the ceiling of your threshold and back to the crown of your head. And then taking a moment to experience your entire physicality from the base of your tailbone all the way up through the crown of your head with full awareness of what is underneath you and full awareness of what is above you. Come back into yourself. Slowly draw your awareness to your heart center We'll take a breath in for three, two, one, hold three, two, one, out three, two, one, last one, three, two, one, hold three, two, one, out four, three, two, one. Slowly start to blink your eyes open, bring your awareness back into the space, find a brief moment of gratitude for that awareness practice. And then as you're ready, you can move on with your day. Libby, thank you so much. I think that that just grounded me, it gave me a little bit of peace going into the rest of my day. So I greatly appreciate you and I would love for you to let everybody know where they can find you both online and if they are in Austin and would like to take one of your classes. 
Yay, of course. You can find me at my Instagram. That's at Libbytron, L-I-B-B-Y-T-R-O-N. Uh, I love my classes at Black Swan Yoga Austin. I can't stress it enough. Come see us, Black Swan Yoga Austin. Our schedule is online. Oh, and check out my podcast, Speak the Movement. We are on Apple Podcasts and we are on Spotify. Well, Libby, as always, it's such a pleasure to talk to you, and I'm feeling very inspired to get back into a yoga practice, to start grounding myself, and to hit the sunshine first thing in the morning every single day. Yay! I love it. Thank you so much, (laughs) Tessa. Of course, and as always, be bold, be confident, and be you. Thank you.